All right, open with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. It's been such a delight to go through this little epistle, which is a little in some ways, but what a big impact it's already had in my heart and life. All right, so 1 Peter, been working right through it. We're going to begin in verse 22 of chapter 1. We're going to get into a little bit of chapter 2 this week as we get up to verse 3 of chapter 2. So we're going to start with verse 22 of chapter 1 in 1 Peter. Hear God's word to us this morning. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Thus ends the reading of God's holy inerrant word. May bless it to our hearts and our lives this morning. All right. So this morning we get back out our roadmap again. Right, which is uh, the roadmap God has given us through his apostle Peter, as he has written in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, he's given us not just a roadmap, as we mentioned last time, but like, like a, a GPS, but actually the, the awesome thing about the word of God, which endures forever, right? We just read that, is that it gives us the empowerment we need to walk on that road, that perfect and good road that Jesus has paid for us through his cross and through his resurrection. So what we saw last time in particular, that as pilgrims striving to make progress on the road to Zion, God calls us to look forward, right? That was the first thing we saw, look forward to our imperishable inheritance in Christ. He saw that we saw that we're to look up to our Holy Father and imitate him. We're to look back uh, to the blood of Jesus that redeemed us from sin. And now the last thing uh, that we began to look at, so we look forward, we look up, we look back, there's one other thing we got to look out for. And according to the Apostle Peter, as we're looking at our roadmap, as we're on this uh, journey home, we need to look out for one another. That's the last thing we need to look to, and that is to, to look to one another, to care for one another, to love one another on our way home. And so uh, it's no wonder that Peter would go there at this point in his epistle because the greatest gift that God could give us is himself, right? That's number one. But the second greatest gift, according to God's word, that he could give us is each other. Other brothers and sisters in Christ, fellow pilgrims. Um, I remember when I read Pilgrim's Progress for the first time, and Pilgrim came across, I don't remember if it was Faithful or Hopeful, but one of those two characters is one of the first Pilgrims 
other than himself that he met and that he could uh, journey together with. And he was so overjoyed that he had a companion. Um, this, this arduous uh, P.E.s that were this tough journey uh, on, on the way home is to have a, a, a brother or sister in Christ. And in this case, we have a whole church, a whole body of believers um, that we are to, to help each other as we're on this pilgrim journey on the way home. So in this section of the letter, just give you a quick overview, chapter 1, verses 22, to chapter 2, verse 10, get the bird's eye for a moment, Peter refers, refers to God's people as, first of all, the family of God, chapter 1, 22 to 2, 3, that's our passage this morning. The next time, the temple or the household of God, that's what he calls the people of God in chapter 2, 4 to 8. The elect people of God in chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. So this morning we're just going to concern ourselves with the first section. Believe me, that will be plenty uh, to digest for this morning's purposes. So the, the, the thing we need to see here is we've been looking a lot to the future. We've been looking at the great blessed hope we have and how that propels us forward. But what's really neat here is Peter is saying that we do have help and strength for the journey but right here and right now. And the way that we get that is from what I like to call our home away from home. And our home away from home is each other. It's the body of Christ. So really... Uh, the family of God is supposed to be, when it's functioning properly, it's supposed to be that a little taste of heaven, a little taste of Zion, a foretaste of that, what we're going to have, that unbroken fellowship we're going to have with God and one another in glory. And the reason why it is that foretaste of glory and such a, a blessedness here, even now on earth, is because of the main ingredient that glues us together in the body of Christ, and you already know what it is, surprise, surprise, it's love. Love, which begins now and is perfected in glory. And as a matter of fact, uh, there's three things that remain, uh, Paul says. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. But love is the greatest of the three. Because we won't need faith in heaven. You're not going to need hope in heaven, because you're going to have it realized, but you're still going to have love. We're, we're still going to have love. And so what we're going to see in this passage, and the uniqueness of the passage before us, is that Peter shares with us um, the root of love, of brotherly love, the fruit of love, the obstacles to love, and the food or fuel to love. Those are the things right in this passage. So um, very orderly uh, that's the way that Peter wrote. He has a very uh, particular purpose in mind. So we're going to see this. As the Apostle Peter exhorts us to love one another deeply from the heart, he points out the root of love, the fruit of love, the obstacles to love, and the food of love. So let's take a look at the first one, the root of love. Look at verse 22. This is important. Peter says this, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, Love one another deeply from the heart. So notice what he says here. He's saying this. Peter is saying that the root of agape love, which we'll talk about in a moment, is the gospel. That is the root. In other words, when you obeyed the word of truth, that is when you repented and believed in the gospel, which is the word of truth, 
you began to love those in the family of believers. You began to love other believers. That was uh, very natural to your new nature in Christ. And why I want to stop here and mention a couple of things, because I want you to see this is the empowerment that we have to do so. It's one thing to point out, like the law does, you know, the greatest of two commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if we just have the law, that condemns us because we know we don't love God perfectly and we don't love our neighbors the way we should. But here's the cool thing. When we look at this text, we see that the gospel did for us what the law could never do. It placed in us a, a sincere love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's something that already happened when we got saved when we were converted to Christ, when God gave us that new birth that Peter talks about, we've been born again. Right away, automatically, we had instilled in us in a natural, supernatural, natural way, as it were, love for other believers. And that explains that strange draw uh, that we have toward others who are, are genuine Christians. Um, even when we meet them for the first time, we recognize there's this, we have this family connection. Um, even though sometimes we have hardly anything on earth in common, yet there is that deep bond that, that just goes across all cultures, all, all likes and dislikes, preferences, um, skin colors, gender. And I often think of myself, uh, just to give you a little bit of an illustration here, uh, the deep fellowship and the bond that I often have with brothers and sisters in Christ who are Democrats, brothers and sisters in Christ who are Republicans, uh, independents, uh, those whose skin are very dark, those whose skin are very light, and all colors in between, uh, whether people are affluent or poor. There's so many people I would have never even had any contact with or would have had no desire to fellowship with who are a lot wealthier than I, and now I'm deep, they're, they're my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have great fellowship, and um, that's because of Jesus. And I have deep bonds with metalheads, and I have deep bonds with people that love hip-hop and rap, um, and again, all in between, simply because of the one common denominator that we all have, if we know Jesus, and that's him, the chief cornerstone, the living stone. Um, and Kerry Livgren, he uh, is the guitarist, was the guitarist and keyboardist and primary composer, I, I would say of the band Kansas. Well, he wrote two of their greatest hits, of course, Carry On My Wayward Son, uh, Dust in the Wing. Uh, most of us know those by heart. Um, but he got saved in the early 70s, I believe, like around 73, 74. And he mentions how he developed a very close relationship with a gifted Bible teacher when he lived in Atlanta for a while. And it was a brother named uh, Dan DeHaan. And Dan DeHaan was a chaplain for the Atlanta Falcons, for all you football fans. And Livgren uh, struck up a, a friendship with him. And this is what Livgren writes in his autobiography. I thought this was powerful, especially the last sentence. He says, Dan and I developed a good friendship in spite of the fact that we had virtually nothing in common except for our Christianity. But that was more than enough. I realized that with my old friends, here's the powerful line. I realized that with my old friends, we share a common past. But with any Christian I meet, even a stranger, we have a common future. I mean, that's what Peter's been talking about, isn't it? 
that great hope that we have as believers. That's another thing we have in common. So from the human responsibility side of things, Peter gives this reason to love your brother or sister in Christ. Look at verse 22. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, that here comes the command, love one another deeply from the heart. In other words, because you've already embraced the gospel of truth, you've already submitted to it, you've already obeyed it, and you have this wholehearted embracing of the gospel naturally, which leads naturally to uh, having a sincere love for the brethren, now you need to exercise it more and more. You have it, now exercise it. It's exactly um, what Peter is saying here. And sincere is the opposite of, by the way, fake. You know, how we put a good face on it. Uh, you know, there, I always love to tell the story of the young, young man who wrote to his sweetheart, and he said he would swim the mighty ocean for one look. <laughs> I think it's so funny. In, your, in her deep blue eyes. And then he writes, P.S., I'll be over Saturday night if it doesn't rain. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I don't even know what to say to that. But I know this. Our love for one another, created in us by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, is to be sincere. We are exercising in a way of sincerity. And then Peter goes on to explain the divine side when he says this. Look at verse 23. For you have been born again. And I just want to stop there a moment. A lot of us think like the only place where it talks about being born again is John chapter 3. But here we see Peter mentions the new birth again and again in his epistle. Uh, this isn't a, a weird one-off type of a doctrine. But the whole idea that God has given us new birth through the gospel and the Holy, his Holy Spirit um, is throughout the scriptures. And here Peter brings it up. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So you've been born again, what Peter's saying. And, and that is that God has used the implanted, imperishable seed of the word of God to give you brand new spiritual birth. And the life that has sprouted from the enduring word of God, this is what, what Peter is saying here, lasts forever. Nothing can kill it. Angus McClay puts it this way. The work that God's word has done is not something that's here today and gone tomorrow like the flowers of the field. Rather, it has permanent and eternal consequences. You know, so the root of Christian love is the gospel itself. The enduring word of the Lord. That's the word, Peter says, that was preached to us. And what is that word? If we go back to verse 11 of chapter 1, that word is concerning the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow. That's the gospel. Jesus is suffering and, the, and his resurrection and his ascension and the glories that would follow. That's the root that produces in us this love. On the basis of this new life, emerging from this indestructible, everlasting word of God, we must continue to love our brothers and sisters in Christ deeply from the heart. That's what Peter's saying. And let's take a look at the second thing. Second thing. So we see the root of love, which is super important, because sometimes I remember my niece used to say to me, when she was real little, 
my, my brother would say, come and give your uh, uncle a hug. She'd go, I can't do it. <laughs> and we'd always tease her about that. But the point is, we can't say to God, we can't do it if we're real believers. The gospel has already produced it in our hearts. And we just need to fan the flame sometimes. It's running low, that's all. So we're going to look at the food of love and how to fan and flame in a little bit. But let's take a look next the next thing that Peter brings out here, and that's the fruit of love. What does love look like? Peter's going to tell us. The outworking of the gospel in our lives will be this. It's the primary mark. There's tons of marks that you're truly born again. But here's the primary mark. Love one another deeply from the heart. The flower that emerges from the seed is the flower of love. That's what Peter's talking about. So there's two Greek words that are translated here that we need to talk about for a moment because it'll really give us a better understanding of what Peter's telling us to do here. Um, the word that's translated here in the NIV as deeply from the heart is literally translated this way, at full stretch or strained. <laughs> Think about it that way. <laughs> Love one another at full stretch. Ouch. And you're pushing it. You're straining as far as you can go, as it were, and, and, and beyond, really, in one way. In other words, it, it's what Peter's saying is love to the point of sacrifice, love to the point of discomfort. That's how we love one another. And then there's another Greek word that we need to uh, see here. When he says love one another deeply, what's the word used here for love? We know in the Greek there's at least three or four uh, different words for love in the biblical Greek, Koine Greek. There's eros love for uh, romantic love. There is phileo love, which is brotherly love. And then there's agape love, which is unconditional, uh, sacrificial love that God has for us. And this, the word here, guess what it is? It's agape. We're to love one another the way that God loves us. Which again, it's a sacrificial, it's an unconditional. Um, and C.S. Lewis puts it this way. We shall draw near to God, not by trying to avoid the sufferings inherent in all loves, but by accepting them and offering them to him. Throwing away all defensive armor. And then he says this. If our hearts need to be broken, and if he chooses this as the way in which they should break, so be it. Wow, what a mature attitude. And that is, uh, in a, according to what Peter is saying here, that's how we are to offer it up to God and say, God, so be it. If it's painful, so be it. If it's at a full stretch, so be it. If it's inconvenient, so be it. If it annoys me. And that's where the rubber meets the road for us as believers in Christ on this side of glory as we strive to spread the good news in a hostile world that hates God and this truth. We're going to see that throughout the rest of the epistle in 1 Peter. The church of Jesus Christ, the local expression of the family of God on earth, is to be our home away from home. Our, here's the thing. It's to be our little island of respite while we travel from this present world to our eternal world, which is to come. There's like these little islands and little places that we get refreshment. 
And of course, that's why we always meet once a week publicly, even though we're doing it virtually right now. We can't wait to get back in the building. But we do that to encourage one another toward love and good deeds. All the more as we see what? Hebrews, the day approaching. Here's the point. Let the world discourage, because there's plenty of that out there. We're going to encourage one another. Let the world mock mock us and tear us down and call us all kinds of crazy names and, and cancel us. We're going to compliment one another. We're going to build one another up. Let others say, get over already, you win. We're going to not do that. We're going to cry with one another. We're going to mourn with one another. We're going to be patient one with another. You know, let's stop complaining that this or that person in the church is not loving enough. And let's start coming to God saying, God, help me to be that loving person. That's what this is all about. We saw the root of love is the gospel. The fruit of of love is sacrificial, agape, love from the heart. And the third thing we're going to see here, just two more things. The third thing is the obstacles to love. And these do get in the way. We need to pay attention to them because Peter brings them up. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, And then positively, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Sam Levinson once said this, love at first sight is easy to understand. It's when two people have been looking at each other for years that it becomes a miracle. (laughs) That is so true. You know, things, as I mentioned before, things might get in our craw and it's hard for us to get them out. Uh, so what we do is we allow the weeds of malice, which is ill intent, um, or evil intent. We allow deceit. We allow hypocrisy. Remember, that's the opposite of sincerity. We allow envy, envying what other people have in the church. And, and we allow slander, uh, bad words about our brothers and sisters in Christ, to grow like weeds in our garden of love. And what they do is they choke out that wonderful climate of a home away from home within the fellowship of the saints. And so Peter says, you know, when you work in the garden of love, you got to do a lot of weeding. Because even though you're born again, you still have a sinful nature and it's still going to have these weeds. You know, I know Pete can relate to this whenever you're working in a garden. Man, I, I get so excited, especially when I was in my house in Atlantic City in Kumi. I would sweat and toil. I would pick, I would get obsessive with this because I'd be listening to sermons on, on, uh, on my uh, iPod and I would be pulling out every little weed. And I remember looking at my garden one thing, just saying, man, that, look how sweet that is. It's only all the good plants and vegetables, whatever. And then it wouldn't take long, a few days or so. And I'd look out there and I'd see these things sprouting up and I'd be like, oh, I just don't have the time and energy. But you know, that's what Peter's saying is you've got to make the time. On this side of glory, you've got to get rid of these things. And it's not a once, you know, one and done. It's a constant battle, but it's, it's a good fight. And it's worth it. And it's, it's awesome when each person is taking care of their own garden. What a blessing it is to the whole bigger garden of the fellowship of the saints. Why? Because these things in a local body of believers have the power to cause carnage if they're left unchecked. 
devastation. It can split a church. It can ruin a church plant before it even starts, gets off the ground. It can derail a local church's witness to its community. These things are obstacles to love or an enemy of love. So Peter says, we them out. Instead of letting them run over our run, run rampant in our garden, Peter says, and that's the last thing, because what's the antidote? Uh, we weed, but then what do we do positively? We feed love with the good stuff. So in a garden, you don't just weed. What do you do? You feed. You put in the fertilizer. Make sure you get plenty of water. And that's what we're going to see. Well, what is the food or the fuel for love? What makes it grow? Uh, whereas uh, the opposite with the other bad traits where we rip them out. Look at verse 2 again. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So the food we are to crave, the nourishment of love, is none other than the same eternal word that gave us birth. And it only stands the reason. Peter calls this living, enduring word that gave us a new birth and continues to feed the love that it created in us he calls it pure spiritual milk. No additives. Pure nutrition. Um, once again, we see in the Bible, and particularly here in Peter, that we are to give ourselves to two things that are eternal. Listen, brothers and sisters, we've seen this in other books of the Bible that we preach through. There are two eternal things we are to give ourselves to. One is the Word of God that endures forever. Right? Heaven and earth will pass away. Jesus said, but my word endures. The word of God. The second thing we are to give ourselves to is another thing that's eternal. The church of Jesus. People. Other people. Other believers. Like newborn babies, he says, crave spiritual milk now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Now notice this. According to Peter, this is the word of God. If you know him, if you've been converted, you have tasted that the Lord is good. You've had a taste of God's goodness. And what happens in your life when you taste something that's good? Now, I can tell you this because I'm fighting my weight right now. I want more. When I started, like, I, I just made um, was it meatball subs, and it just sometimes they come out okay. So last night, they just came out yesterday. Oh, my goodness. And I, I wanted to eat like, I didn't by the grace of God. But I, in this case, it's probably not good to. But in this case, it's the op this is one of those times you, you enjoy it. You can have as much more as you want. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when you taste something good, you desire more of it. And that's what we see here. When you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you desire him more and you hang on his every word. When, you're, when I look at young people and they're in love with one another, and you can just see when the other person's talking and they're together, the, the, the one person is just hanging on every word. And that's exactly what happens when we're, when we're converted. And sometimes we need to return to our first love, don't we? so that we, uh, and, and begin to taste again the goodness of the Lord, and get into his word, and love one another deeply from the heart, um, so that once again, that craving will be there. Um, so Luther puts it this way, that's what I was looking at. Luther says this, Therefore, it's not enough for a man to preach or hear the gospel once, but he must ever persevere and advance in it. For such grace the word possesses, that the more we taste it, the sweeter it is. Isn't that awesome? 
The more we taste it, the sweeter it is. And what Peter says here, and this is important, he's basically saying it's time to grow up in our salvation. Because that's what he says, that you may grow in your salvation. We do it not by simply ingesting the spiritual food of the word, but by craving it. That's the word. The word translated here, excuse me, as crave in the original Greek means to long for, to yearn after. When's the last time you were panting and yearning after the word of the Lord and through it God himself? Because he's the only one that satisfies. You know, the, the, one, the one quote I always use from Augustine, um, oh Lord, you have made us for yourself. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. The word that you obeyed when you came to faith in Christ is the same word that nourishes your faith and stokes the agape love begun in your heart for your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we learn here. And here's the bottom line. We're going to need this kind of love in the church of Jesus Christ if we're really uh, going to make it from this world into the world that is to come. We need one another. It's not an option. It's a command. But here's the beauty of it. Um, God gives what he commands in the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel in terms of sanctification. As well, we, we've been justified, but in terms of sanctification, he gives what he commands. Holiness, it's what I long for. Well, a major, people don't realize this, a major part of holiness is love. It's being loved. I hope you're craving that spiritual word. I hope you, hope you crave Jesus. And I hope the word today uh, stoked the flame of that love that's ready in your heart if you know Jesus. And if you have not come to know him yet, well, you have no idea what you're missing, my friend. Um, it's time to repent and believe the good news of Jesus. It's time to obey the gospel so you will have a glorious future. And here on earth, brothers and sisters, that'll help you um, on that journey home, which is guaranteed by the blood and the resurrection of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for this incredible uh, letter from your hand-picked apostle Peter that we learned so much about in the four Gospels and are thankful that you gave us two books through him to encourage us in our faith and to remind us, to stir up in us um, this holy, wholesome, godly living as we uh, look forward to the day of your second coming, Jesus. So be with us now and help us to be for one another that home away from home in the church. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.